Good morning, good morning. Just a reminder, winter's coming. <laughs> Somebody said, you're, gonna, you're really going to be piling it up this morning. Uh, good morning, I'm Pastor Brian. This is Joy. Thank you for being a part of our service this morning. Those of you that are online, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, we do have a, a church online at greatjoy.org. And... Uh, there's some other information that's available there and uh, some chat boxes, different things like that. If you might have questions about our church, you can get those answered as well. And uh, thank you all for being here this morning. I, I shared with you last Sunday, um, how many of you kind of get grossed out by spiders? Anyone? All right. All right. If you'd put that picture up, it's not a great picture, but um, so last Sunday when I was coming into church, I noticed right above the door that I walk in, right over here, there's this massive spider web, and you can kind of see kind of just right <clears throat> to the, that way down, that big thing, that's a big spider that was there. Well, he's been eating good in the hood, and uh, he was there Sunday, uh, this morning, and so <clears throat> this morning, I... I I, well, what I did first of all, which is really stupid, what I did first of all is I picked up, I don't mind spiders as much because I got pretty big feet and I can step on them, but I, what really bothers me are spider webs when I don't see the spider because that spider's somewhere. <laughs> and I like it when I can see it way better than when I can't see it. And so I picked up a rock because I saw that spider right there and I picked up a rock and I kind of, I went like this and it went just right through the web, whew, went through the web, but it came really close to a window. And I was like, that's ah, probably not a really good idea to be throwing rocks that might end up in a window. So I found this shovel that was out there. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I picked up the shovel, and, I, and it's up there high. And I had to jump up in the air. And I jump up in the air, and I kind of knocked it down. And I got the web. I'm not sure where the spider went. And, uh, and so I think that the spider may be right beyond on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the spider was, was kind of, he was running. He was right on the edge of the, 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 the shovel, and then I, he ended up in the rocks, and I stepped. I took care of the spider that was outside that door. There's still another web there, so I think there might be another spider there. My whole point is simply this, as Gwen so wonderfully illustrated for us. We tend to run away from things that we're afraid of. We tend to run away from things that we're scared of, and, and, and we're calling this series Ghost Stories. Uh, Shell, would you hold on to this? I don't, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. Um, we're calling this series Ghost Stories, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and um, my goal and my aim in this series is to help alleviate perhaps some of the questions that you might have, some of the, 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 the reluctances that you may have when it comes to the Holy Spirit. When we hear that phrase, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the word spirit actually is <clears throat> in the Hebrew when it... And it's really all through the, the Old Testament in the Hebrew. It's the word ruach. And the, the, the Hebrew word ruach means a violent expression or exhale. You exhale violently. It means the breath of God. When God breathed into Adam the breath of life, it was his essence. It was the ruach of God. It was the force of God, the life of God that went into Adam. In the New Testament, the New Testament word is the word pneuma. It's the Greek word, actually, of spirit or ruach. And, and it means a breath. It means a breeze. It means a wind. We get the word pneumatic from it. You may be familiar with pneumatic tools. Pneumatic tools are tools that operate by air. They're, they're, they use air power to be able to operate. You have a hose. You can, you can change all kinds of different uh, tools, <clears throat> and, and they all operate by air. And so, so that's the idea of what spirit means 
And so really when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the, the spirit or we're talking about the essence, we're talking about the breath, we're talking about the life of God. Now, for me growing up, perhaps it's like you, um, <clears throat> I knew about God a little bit because I could sort of relate to the idea of a father. I knew about Jesus because all through Sunday school, all through church, we saw pictures of Jesus. You know, the white Jesus by the rock in the moonlight praying, you know, just like this and the long flowing hair. And like I, I said last week, I wonder if we will not recognize Jesus in heaven because we all have sort of had that Sunday school idea of what Jesus might look like. And he may not look like that at all. But when it came to the Holy Spirit, I was, I was a little bit confused by who and what the Holy Spirit was. I didn't have a place of, of understanding. I, I couldn't quite figure it out. And I had people tell me uh, about different experiences that they had as it related to the Holy Spirit. And, and all that did was really kind of confuse me even more when it came to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to, uh, again, start with a couple of scriptures that Jesus, in teaching his disciples, gave them about who the person of the Holy Spirit is. In John chapter 14, or I'm sorry, John chapter 16 and verse 7, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. And this is really, really hard for us to understand because I think most of us would still prefer to have Jesus right here with us. Would we not like to have Jesus right here? And yet Jesus himself said, it's better for you if I leave. And I guarantee you that the disciples were thinking, that's not better. That's worse. That's worse. Why in the world would it be better if you were gone? Because you're the one who led us. You're the one who told us where to go. You're the one who told us where to fish. You're the one who told us where to drop the nets. You're the one that confounded the, 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 the religious leaders of the day. You are the one that did miracles. Now you're telling us that it's better for you to, better for us. If you go, that does not sound like better. That doesn't sound like an upgrade. That sounds like a, a downgrade. It's just not good. And yet Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, who we found out last week, that helper, he is the Holy Spirit. The word helper means one who is called alongside together with us. The idea of a helper is that he is our comforter, he's our advocate, he's our attorney in a sense, he is our, our go-between. And, and so Jesus said again, as he's talking, he said, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And notice how he, get ahead of myself a little bit, but notice how he refers to the helper who is the Holy Spirit. He calls him a, a him, he calls him a personality. Our tendency is to think that the Holy Spirit is an it or it is an experience or it is a something instead of a someone. In John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray or I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The word another means one who is like <laughs> or the same of a different kind, which sounds a little bit weird, but, but when he, Jesus said, I, I'm going to give you another comforter, another helper. Another is, is the idea that it's the same thing, but different. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to give you somebody who is just like me, but he's different. Somebody who is just like me, who leads and guides and teaches and instructs and there's power there. I'm going to give you another one, but he's different. He goes on and he said that he may abide with you forever. Jesus was, was, was he had an assignment that, that had a temporary nest to it on planet earth. He said that he may abide with you forever. He calls him the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. And that's for me as a kid growing up, that was one of my struggles. And I think it's a struggle for a lot of people. 
You don't see him, the Holy Spirit. We don't have a visual representation of what he looks like. We're given a lot of pictures in in the Old Testament and in the New Testament of, of what the Holy Spirit is like. He's like wind. He's like rain. He's like a river. He's like a dove. He's like a fire. All of these pictures, and it sometimes becomes overwhelming and confusing just as who the Holy Spirit is or what the Holy Spirit is about. And so Jesus, when he's describing this helper, this teacher, this guide, the Holy Spirit, he says that the world can't receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He dwells with you and, everybody say and. He dwells with you and will be in you. And again, if this was a movie, this would be foreshadowing. He's telling us about a promise that is going to be happening. He's telling us about a promise that is coming, that this Holy Spirit that you know, this Holy Spirit who has been with you is now going to be on the inside of you. He's going to take up residence on the inside of you. Now, for most people, the Holy Spirit is associated with a feeling. People talk about I've had this happen many, many times. People have asked me the question, or people have said this to me. You know, some, for some reason, whatever the reason, I, I'm in your services, and, and, and I just can't help it, but I want to cry. I've had people, Pastor Steph sings, and I just, I just want to cry. Many times, that's just the Holy Spirit that we're responding, that we're sensing. He's working in our life. But just because there's an, a, a feeling that is associated with the Holy Spirit does not mean that he's just a feeling. I've had people tell me, oh, I could really feel the Spirit here today. The Spirit's here all the time. Let me say that again. I like it when people, oh, you were really led by the Spirit today. As opposed to the, all the other times that I wasn't? What, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> try to be led by the Spirit all the time. Many times we don't, re- we don't recognize the Spirit because it's not loud, it's not flashy, it's not like we maybe grew up with it or we think about it, but the Spirit of God is always here and he's always working, he's always moving. The question is whether or not we're going to open up and begin to let him work in our heart and in our life. And you'll run away from the things that you're afraid of. You will close the door to things that make you uncomfortable. You will close the door to things that you might seem are extreme or weird. Again, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird with or without the Holy Spirit. Amen? Look at the person next to you and say amen. (laughs) We call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one, But it is the person of the Father, the person of the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It isn't a feeling. It isn't just just an experiential thing. The Holy Spirit is a person and just as much a part of the Godhead as the Father and the Son. And we have to understand that they are co-equal in importance and in what they do, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the problem is that the Holy Spirit is, again, he's kind of scary because we don't fully grasp and understand him. We can't, it's hard to get our head around who and what the person of the Holy Spirit is is. And, and, and you start talking about the Holy Spirit, it can become controversial in different parts of the body of Christ, different parts of the church world. And so people shy away from talking about the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to, I really feel like I want to belabor this point probably too much this morning, but, but I think that all of you hopefully will get this and it'll be something that'll be really, really important for you to understand this morning. And so I, I want to try to use an illustration today 
And uh, first of all, I've got some high-quality H2O right here. This represents the Heavenly Father. And uh, I hope that came from a good source. <laughs> no. What is, yeah, is that a fish? Yeah, no, it's not. What is this? It's water, exactly. That's water. And, and, and the technical phrase for water is? It is H2O, exactly. And this is a picture of God. And, and God the Father, he is the one who had the plan. Bible tells us all through the New Testament, the book of Ephesians chapter 1, that God had a plan before the foundations of the world, before God began to create this earth, God already had a plan. He is the master organizer. He is, in a sense, the brains of the operation. And so here we have God. Actually, the Bible says that before the foundations of the world, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who was crucified for the world. So before the world was ever created, God had a plan that included Jesus, that included him being the sacrifice before humanity had ever messed up. Before humanity had ever sinned, before humanity ever had a problem, God had already provided an answer. And guess what? Before you ever had a problem, before you ever had a disaster, before chaos ever came into your life, God already has an answer for the chaos, the confusion, and the pain that is in your life. There is not anything that catches God unaware. Isn't that good? God is a good God. Don't have to be afraid of your heavenly father. He is good. He is kind. He's long-suffering. If you think that God is waiting for you to get out of line... And then he's going to zap you. We have all been zapped a long, long time ago. It is his patience and his goodness that leads humanity to repentance. And so the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. The Ruach of God, the breath of God, the essence of God was hovering and then God said... He spoke the word, and God's creative power went to work. It was the Father with the plan. It was the Son, the spoken word of God, and the Holy Spirit all working together, the creative force of God that brought this earth into existence. And so God represented by water. This is kind of like God 1.0. But then we have over here, we have, what is this? We have ice. But what is ice? It's another form of water. This is, this is frozen H2O. It is water, but it is in another form. God the Father and God the Son. They are the same, but different. They have different functions, different responsibilities, but they are the same. They are the same in stature, importance, and in power. And, and, and I, unfortunately, I, I made a mistake here. I, have, I, I really should have had three different containers that were the same size. I apologize for that. But anyway, going on. The Heavenly Father and then the Son who carried out the plan that God had. In John chapter 1, John uses the same three words to begin his writings when he said, in the beginning, calling the Jewish mind back to the creation that God had. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, the word was with God. Well, we know that from Genesis chapter 1. God said the spoken word was there. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. 
The same was in the beginning with God and, and that God created everything by the power of that word. But then he said in verse 14, and the word became flesh. God's spoken word, God himself became flesh. The Ruach, the breath of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus carried out the plan of redemption. He, he lived a sinless and a spotless life. He proved that, that by the power of God and the Holy Spirit that a person could live according to the law. And he fulfilled everything, he perfectly fulfilled everything about the law. And then he died as a sacrificial lamb. He took the nature of sin. He took your sin and my sin. He took the power of sin upon himself and he was crucified on Calvary's cross, putting, putting to death the spirit of death. And then he rose again on that third day. We celebrate, we rejoice, and we are thankful. So we have God the Father, God 1.0. We have God the Son, God 2.0. And, 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 and we want you to know God. People who know God, they'll be strong. They will do exploits. We want you to know, who, not facts and figures about God. We want you to experience and understand how good God is, how great God is, how loving God is. This is a living reality, not just a, not just a form, not just a show, not just a tradition. And then we have the son, Jesus, that we want you to receive. The Bible tells us if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, then we shall be saved. God had a plan for humanity's sin before humanity ever sinned. And people who think that they got to clean up their life and they got to just be a little bit better. And then when I'm better, then maybe God will do something for me. Or when I'm, you know, when I'm more pure, perfect, when I'm more pure, then maybe something good is going to happen. No. No. You can never be good enough for God. That's why you needed a savior. And Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price so that you can stand at the line, at the cash register, if you will, and say, nope, my bill has been paid in full. I don't owe anything. And guess what? That takes humility. Say, like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I feel like I should pay. I, I just, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. But that's grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So we have God the Father and God the Son, and then we have God the Spirit. We don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not a it. It isn't a thing. It isn't a feeling. He's God. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is that we have dry ice here. Well, that works perfect for Halloween, doesn't it? I hope that glass doesn't break because that would be really interesting. But here's the thing. They're equal. God the Father. This is dry ice. And dry ice is nothing more than H2O but in a different form. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are co-equal, co-powerful, and important. And the reason that I perhaps have been laboring just a little bit it's simply this. I want to read this to you. If you don't see the Holy Spirit as God, then you're going to treat him and his work as either something that is optional or unnecessary. I'm going to say that one more time. If you don't see the Holy Spirit as God, then you're going to treat him and his work as something that is either optional or unnecessary in your life. There is not a person in here particularly if you've been around church for very long, that you would minimize the importance of God. 
I mean, you got people that are out there. You got people that, I mean, people who don't even know God. I would just want to thank God. You know, they're accepting some kind of an award. I just really want to thank God. No, you don't have anything to do. You don't know God at all. It's just something you think you need to say. We would never minimize the importance of Jesus. We celebrate his birth at Christmas. We, we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection at Easter. We would never ever think about diminishing the role or the importance of Jesus. But we don't think twice about diminishing the importance of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. He is our helper. Just take a second this morning. What do you need help with this morning? What is it that you need help with this morning? John 14, 26, it says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things, bring to remembrance all things that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, the helper, where do you need help today? Where do you find yourself saying, man, I just don't know about, I just don't know. Maybe you're here this morning and you can't go to sleep at night because you're so afraid. You need help sleeping. Maybe you're going through a divorce and it's painful and you need help, but you don't know where to turn. You don't know where to go. Maybe you've got questions in your life and you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. How, who do you turn to for help? If you don't think that the Holy Spirit is important in your life, you are counting or, or, or disconnecting from a source that is designed to help you, that God the Father and God the Son have empowered and planned out for his existence here on planet Earth when we're alive right now. And if we treat the Holy Spirit like a feeling, I can remember as a kid, I, uh, I remember they'd do testimony time and, I, and, and you know, they were talking about the Holy Spirit. And I remember this one lady, uh, this one lady who said, when, I was like in 10th grade and I, you know, I, I tried hard to be a good Christian and all that stuff when I was a kid and, and, and I just, anyway, I've talked a lot about that and it motivates me for today. But anyway, in all of those feelings and all of those different things, I remember a lady one time saying that when the Holy Spirit was moving on her for three days, she was weeping. And I remember as a kid thinking, dear God, I don't need that. I got enough trouble in high school as it is. The last thing I want to do is have God touch my life in such a way that I'm going to walk around school crying for three days. I don't want that at all. Freaked me out. And I've heard people say, and I've experienced different things by the Spirit of God. And I've heard people say, well, I just laughed and I laughed and I laughed. Well, that's awesome. Other people who, who said, you know, fall down. Other people who, who was like, man, it felt like hot honey from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Other people, it felt like a jolt of electricity through my being. And what we've done is we have taught experience over the word of God. And so we have people that are waiting for hot honey full of electricity that's going to make you laugh or cry and fall down. And if I don't get the hot honey or the electricity, I must not have got the Holy Spirit. Because I have elevated a experience over the truth of God's word. And we think of the Holy Spirit in terms of experience rather than in terms of who he is and what he does. The more knowledge that you have about his role in your life, the more power that it's going to produce in your life, the more confidence that you are going to have. And so I'm not going to embrace the spooky natural, but there is supernatural. There is the power of God. And he, the Holy Spirit, is the one who brings the power of God. None of these things have to be weird. If you're not sure what to do, it is not weird to ask the Holy Spirit's help in your life to acknowledge that that is the reason that he's come to this earth. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, a lot of 
A lot of places of jump, we could jump to here. But anyway, when the day of Pentecost came, the day of Pentecost was a feast of Israel that had been celebrated for thousands of years before this day. It was a feast where a lot of people would come to, Israel celebrated different feasts, feast of Passover, different feasts, feast of unleavened bread. This was one of the feasts that they would celebrate. And they were all in Israel, or I'm sorry, they were all in Jerusalem at the time. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This was the disciples, this was, well, I don't have time to go into all of it, but it was the disciples who were now in the upper room, there's 120 of them, and Jesus had said, I want you to go to the city of Jerusalem, I want you to stay there until you're endued with power from on high. And so they went, they did what Jesus said, they went to Jerusalem, they went to this room, they were all together in one place, and, and it says this, they were all together in one place, suddenly, a sound like a blowing, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, that is the ruach of God. It is the breath of God, the, the force of God. The life of God came into that room and blew in there, blew into that room. New Testament, the pneuma of God. It was in that room. What happened when the Holy Spirit was there? Verse three, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Da, 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 da. Getting kind of weird, Pastor Brian. No, I'm not, it's just the Bible. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, before you freak out about verse 4, go back to verse 2. The breath of God, the wind of God, the, 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 the force of God, the life of God came into that room and there was an experience. There was an experience. But I don't want to elevate experience over the effects of what happened. For me as a kid, I thought that if I just spoke in tongues, I thought if these things happened, then, then I'm done. No, that, that's just the beginning. And as I said, we, we've taught the Holy Spirit as an experience, but he's not an experience, he is a person. And just like you saw in, in, uh, when, we, when we added some water to the dry ice and, and, and that mist, that steam came out of there and, and it began to kind of disperse around. The Holy Spirit is, is identified at times like wind. And I, I want you to understand this because I think it, again, I think it's going to help you just a little bit. Because when the breath of God, the air of God, the force of God, the life of God came into that room, God in spirit form filled that room. And the Holy Spirit has been likened unto wind. Jesus in John chapter 3, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he was talking about the idea of wind and the spirit of God. There are some similarities between wind and the Holy Spirit. It's the reason that because, because the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily have a defined shape or form like the Father or the Son, and it's harder for us to understand, we're giving a lot of comparisons or analogies of how the Holy Spirit operates. And so there's some similarities between the wind and the Holy Spirit. First of all, wind is unseen. You don't see the wind. You feel the wind, but you don't see the wind. If you're in the house, you don't, you, you don't experience it, you don't, you don't feel it, but you can see its effects. And, and a lot of times, that's kind of how we are in life and in the church. We're sort of in the house, and we see other people being affected by the Holy Spirit, but we're short, sort of shut in. We're locked in. We're not going to let people, we're, we're not going to experience it, but we can see it. We're like, what in the world is going on with them? What's happening out there? But the wind is unseen. We feel it, but we don't always see it. This, the second thing about the wind is that it's unpredictable. 
Wind goes where wind goes. Whether it's a nice gentle breeze on a summer evening or an F4 tornado, (laughs) it's unpredictable. And it is that unpredictability of the Holy Spirit that makes us uncomfortable. Not always sure how he's going to move. Not always sure what he's going to do. Not always sure what's going to happen. And so that makes us a little bit uncomfortable in our life and in our response to him. This is why it's easier to understand the Holy Spirit as a religion or a part of religion versus a relationship. We can have a relationship with God the Father. We can have a relationship with God the Son. And we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But if you don't see the Holy Spirit as a personality, as the third person of the Godhead. And I don't even like that idea, the third person of the Godhead. Kind of the idea that he's the third wheel. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's not the third wheel. He's a very important part of the Christian life. He's a very, very important part. And so, again, it's easier for us to define the Holy Spirit through a religious lens or context than it is to understand him as a personality that there can be a relation. It's hard. We don't like hard things in church or in life. Third thing is that wind is powerful. Wind is powerful. Wind can generate electricity. Wind can sail a ship. Wind can do a lot of things. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And here's the thing. If you or I want the power that the Holy Spirit brings, then we are going to have to embrace the uncertainty that he brings as well. And this makes us uncomfortable. If we want the power that the Holy Spirit brings, we have to embrace the uncertainty that the Holy Spirit brings in our life. That's called faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. So... In in John chapter 14, Jesus was alluding to something. He says, you know the Holy Spirit because he's with you and he will be in you. He will be in you. He will be in you. And so I have a question. In that day of Pentecost when they were in the upper room, can you hear that? Making me nervous. Dry ice is speaking in other tongues, apparently. (laughs) That is the effervescence. That is another word for the Holy Spirit, another idea of what the Holy Spirit is. It's just a little bit irritating is all for me. I'm glad you guys can't hear it. (laughs) But in John chapter 14, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be with you and he shall be in you. In the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit filled that room and, and, and it sat upon them. And we call that, we phrase that, they were filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. And so I I like to say it like this. Being filled with the Spirit is what happens when the Holy Spirit has the controlling interest in your life. Let's say that again. Because again, most most people understand the Holy Spirit as an experience. They understand that idea of being filled with the Spirit as an experience. And there are experiences. But but when, when the idea of being filled with the Spirit is what happens when the Holy Spirit has the controlling interest of your life. What happens to a person? If a person is filled with anger, what does that mean? That means that anger has the controlling interest in their life. If a person is filled with love, what does that mean? That means that love has the controlling portion or or, or part of their life. If a person is filled with greed, then greed will dominate their life. Whatever your life is full of, whatever your life is dominated by, will direct and determine the course 
of your life. And so if your life is filled or full of the Holy Spirit, then it is the Holy Spirit that is going to guide and it is the Holy Spirit that is going to dominate your life. And so Paul, when he was writing to the church at Ephesus, he said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you all a fool. But that was Paul. He said, don't live like a fool. It means there's, there is an alternative to being foolish. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. How are we going to do that? He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. One of the biggest questions, I just don't know what God wants for me. I don't know what God wants me to do. Here is a clue. Here is a reason. Here is a way to understand what God wants you to do. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens when a person is drunk? Doesn't matter. We, we, we call the phrase, you might think, well, why in the world would Paul pull something, an analogy like being drunk and, and equating it to the Holy Spirit? Have you ever heard the phrase under the influence? What does that mean? If you went to somebody and said, oh boy, they were under the influence, what, what picture do you get? They're drunk. It's all right to say that in church, by the way. They're under the influence of alcohol. I, I have heard stories of people who were under the influence of alcohol. All right, back in the day. Now, we all know, I think to a certain degree, we know what happens to somebody who is under the influence of alcohol. Alcohol dominates their life. I don't know what it is about alcohol, but people get smarter. <laughs> or at least they think they do. They become really good debaters. Right? They become great dancers. <laughs> it's amazing. No. <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, they do things that they would never do before. Because there's an uninhibitedness that enters their life when they're under the influence of alcohol. And so when you're under the influence of alcohol or whether you're under the influence of fear or discouragement, under the influence of greed, those things affect your life. And God is telling us that if you will live your life, as, as Paul, I should go on and finish this. Sorry about that. <laughs> Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord. <laughs> now, here's the thing. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, the Holy Ghost moving now. Woo! <laughs> Yeah. Gordy said, I thought it was your stomach. <laughs> I'm getting kind of hungry. Now, <sighs> here's the thing about alcohol. And, and if we took a bottle of whatever, vodka, how many of you know that if you drank the whole, well, you wouldn't be able to probably, well, some of you may be able to, but I don't know. But if you try to drink a whole bottle of alcohol, how many of you know that you cannot drink a whole bottle of alcohol and remain the same? 
Amen? If you drink a bottle of alcohol, the whole thing, you're, it's going to change a lot about you. You will not be the same. You will not walk the same, talk the same. You will not think the same. And Paul is telling us kind of the same thing. If our life is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, if our life is under the Holy Spirit, his power and his direction, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in your life is going to fundamentally change your life in three different ways. Number one, it's going to change the way that you walk. If you've ever watched any of the cop shows on TV or movies or whatever, and there's a, the field sobriety test that they do, try to make them walk a straight line, and they can't, and I, I mean, there's all these crazy things. And, and, and similarly, where you have trouble sometimes walking, as we sometimes call it, the straight and narrow of the Christian life, the Holy Spirit is designed, as he gains the controlling portion of our life, he is going to help us and empower us and enable us to walk that walk. He's going to change the way that we walk in, in, in a sense of, of the, the, the strength and the character of our life. The Holy Spirit is going to change the way that we talk. For whatever reason, when people are under the influence of alcohol, there are some people, I mean, they, they might have been quiet and they become chatterboxes. They cannot shut up because they've suddenly found brilliance. And they know everything about everything. They've become Cliff Clavin on steroids, and they just, they're, they're ready to impress you with every fact that there could ever be. Sometimes people that are normally more, more talkative, they become withdrawn. They become quieter. Some people are known as the happy drunk or the mean drunk. None of <laughs> What was that? <laughs> Never mind. Amen. Thank God that it's under the blood of Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit changes the way that we talk. And Jesus himself had said that there was going to be times that the Spirit of God would bring things back to your remembrance. And you'll say things. And you'll be able to share things with people that you forgot about. And all of a sudden it's like, man, where did I pull that from? It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit changing the way that we talk. The Holy Spirit will change the way that we act. As we said, sometimes the Holy Spirit, or I'm sorry, sometimes that other spirit, it changes the way that we act. We get braver. The things, the hindrances that, that held us back and made us afraid, sometimes that alcohol encourages somebody to go across the room and engage that person and say, hey, you want to go out? You want to go get a cup? Of, well, probably not a cup of coffee at that point, but, but whatever it might be. It gives you boldness and it gives you, how many of you ever heard the phrase liquid courage? Which generally is like, you know, <laughs> hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> what were his last words? Hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> I mean, you know, it doesn't make us smarter, that's for sure. And maybe you're not bold in your faith right now, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in your life can bring a boldness into your life if you let it. And so my question for you this morning as we close this up is simply this. What is it that you're filling your life with? What are you filling your life with? Fear? And it's everywhere. Fear, fear is currency. Fear keeps people engaged. Our media and, and social media, the news, everything else is designed to make you afraid of something so that you will stay engaged. Every, every few minutes, breaking news, 
Every few minutes, there's a storm that you need to be afraid of. Uh, All these different things to keep you engaged because that engagement translates to money. Everything around us revolves around fear. The Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, a sound mind, calm, well-balanced mind. So what are you filling your life with? You feeling your life with chasing paper, chasing money, chasing greed? You just think you need a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, then you're then you're going to be happy, then you're going to be then you're going to be satisfied? No, you're not. Because those things can't satisfy. You feeling your life with status? Because I have a certain address, a certain income, a certain position, a certain style of clothes. All of those things are empty. All of those things will not last. All of those things will fade. But we can fill our life with the Holy Spirit. Would you go back to Ephesians 5? Let me just give you a quick, would you stand up? Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, to don't, be, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us a great clue of how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is something about worship. There is something about us filling our hearts with appreciation and love for God that comes out in a vocal expression of praise, whether music or not, that engages God and brings the Spirit of God to where we are. How do I open up my heart to the Holy Spirit? Many times, <laughs> I shared this from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah said, sing, O barren. You who did not bear, you who did not conceive. Sometimes you're going to have to sing something before you see something. Sometimes you're going to have to Praise God before you see God work. And we're all the time shutting our shutting ourselves off to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment this morning. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you're here right now. You said that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, that you would be right in the middle of us. And so, Father, we respond to you Church, just for a moment, think, what would you do if Jesus physically was standing next to you? What would would your response be? How would you act? What would you do if he was right here in this room and you saw him? What would we do? Would we tell him about the longing of our heart? Would we ask him to reach inside of the pain and the confusion? Because whatever it is that you would do if he was here, I want you to start to do it right now because he is here. He is here. He is here right now. 
He is here as the healer. He is here as the one who brings peace. He is the one who is here as our guide. He is the one who is here to help us in all of our afflictions. He is the one that heals our diseases and he comforts all who mourn. He is the one who has everything under control. And so we do not have to be afraid. We do not have to fear. We can have confidence and boldness because of his presence in our life right now because he knows, we know that he cares for us. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you that you are an ever-present source in our time of trouble. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never surrendered or never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you know about God, you know about Jesus, you've learned some things about the Holy Spirit, but that's not enough. Jesus came so that we could know him personally. Jesus was talking to a religious leader named Nicodemus, and he said, Nicodemus, if you want to see heaven, you're going to have to be born again, born a second time. The apostle Paul said that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we will be saved. God has done everything that he could do about saving you. Nothing remains. Jesus sacrifice on the cross when he said it is finished that meant that the door is open there's nothing that is nothing that is stopping us from the presence and person of God so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed you say Pastor Brian I, I don't know everything and I don't understand everything but I know that I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life I know that I want to experience God in his fullness if that's you would I'd like to pray a simple prayer with you. Just hold your hand up for just a moment so I can acknowledge that. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than that step of faith. Just hold your hand up real high and say, Pastor, yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. Just hold your hand up real high just for a second. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. My heart's open to you. I need your help. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe he's here right now. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I declare today, you're my Lord. I surrender to you. And I will endeavor to give the Holy Spirit the controlling interest of my life so that I live differently. I'll walk differently. I'll talk differently. And I will act differently because I will live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not my own thinking. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these that have responded to you today, whether here in this room or online, I thank you that there is no distance in the realm of the Spirit. And Father, we believe that your Spirit is everywhere, that it is touching, that it is moving, that it is uh, engaging every person. So Father, I thank you that you're doing a miracle in people's lives today. And Father, I thank you that as we leave this house this morning, we live with, leave with your power, with your life, and with your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.